Welcome to the Rumpus Room. Hey, everybody. How's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. And let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. Blade gratification. So the con- that concept has been coming up a lot. I think I've been, you know, we've been talking a lot about uh, financial uh, services and we've been, you know, pricing things out and how do you live a better life. And I think delaying gratification is a, an, a concept that always rings true. I think it's one of those kind of universal principles where, you know, Warren Buffett has made $64 billion after the age of uh, 65 and, you know, a billion of that he made before. So it's like these things work in the financial markets, but I think they also work um, in life. You know, and we, we'll talk a little bit about dating, but it's like, do you, uh, you know, do you, do you obsess about uh, people that are celebrities or do you actually go out and talk to people and like take a little bit more time? And, you know, I think these are, these are things like, do you spend a lot of time on Facebook trying to get likes or do you go out and create a product uh, that requires more work. Uh, you know, a, a really simple example is like, if you start a company, you're, you're not going to be making a lot of money at the beginning and you have a, a, some different options. You can, you can go with venture funding, which will get you somewhat of a salary, but you're going to definitely lose most of the, con- like some of the control. Uh, and there's some other downsides to like big venture funding or you can try to stick it out on your own and see if that works out. You know, you can bring another partner in that type of things, but, or in like the other side of the scale, the final side is uh, getting a job with a salary. So there's just a lot of different off, uh, options out there. But I think when, when I've been reviewing this and kind of meditating on this concept, delaying gratification has been something that uh, I think always will, always will prevail and ring true. You know, I haven't found a lot of other concepts uh, that, that are like that, but that's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, so the counter argument to delayed gratification is always like, you only have one shot to live. So live it up, you know? Yep. And I have this discussion often about like freedom of choice because, um, people typically who have not had a lot of choice when they have that choice they really want to exercise it because they have so little opportunities to exercise it typically right like let's say you're a low page a low wage earner and um, you get your first paycheck and who wants to go spend you know that money on a really responsible thing that's that's not the first thing that comes to mind when you have that cash in your hand I feel like it's a natural human impulse to be like, oh, I want to I want to do something that really is fun, you know, and treat myself. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah, exactly. So it's very challenging to um, delay that gratification for individuals, I think, who haven't had as many opportunities because um, they're not as used to like what to do in that situation where you have the choice. I mean, if you if you have opportunities to make that choice over and over and over and over again, you're going to get really good at being like, you know what, this time I'm going to put it in savings and I'm not going to do that thing because perhaps you've already exercised that before and you realize it's not fulfilling or whatever. And, and that's something that I think 
is really tough to um, to teach people, to show people, to to advocate for, even though it's it's very paramount. It, it, I mean, everybody always says like you it, you the first step to building wealth is one getting out of debt and two saving money. <laughs> yep. But I completely agree that um, delaying gratification is is very much a. I mean, I um, I used to be so much more strict on this with my diet, but um, I've been putting on some weight in the gym, and so I haven't been as uh, you know. I used to like never eat sweets during the week. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I would have dark chocolate after dinner, and I've thrown that out of the window for whatever reason as of recent. But uh, like probably like many Americans these days. Yeah, we. Speaking of which, I put on um, 15 pounds. 15? 15. Wow. Guess my weight. Are you, are you back to 185? I'm 195. 195? I'm a moose. <laughs> 195 of muscle. It's, uh, there's... Is, uh, is it weight on in the trunk? So like you're, you got junk in the trunk, you've got big thighs and a big... Uh, big behind or what you know, I um, have traditionally had much overdeveloped quads. So I've really been working on um, the back line of the body. So yes, I've been doing some of the Kim Kardashian butt workouts, but Ooh. just a lot of, a lot of squats and deadlifts, you know? So yeah. um, I, I use it as a way to get my aggression and I've just been putting a lot of weight on and it's, it's helped me have a, avenue for all of this energy that appears to be kind of like stored up throughout the quarantine so i really enjoyed that but delaying gratification in my diet i've kind of stepped back and like indulged quite a bit more because i've been like oh you know i'm putting on weight blah 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 which is you know just a cop-out but (laughs) yeah i mean it's a it's a cop-out you also are doing it for you know like you are you're doing it a healthy way i think working out like you're you're adding a workout program that does require you to eat more. So it's, it is a little bit of a capo, but I wouldn't say it's all. Um, I think it's an interesting thing. Cause I, you know, I'm always, what, what I'm interested in all the time is how do you gain maximal energy? Yeah. So how do you, how do you show up every day with the most amount of energy? Because for me, I can like really feel the fluctuations in energy. And mm-hmm. so does that mean working out more? Does that mean working out less? Does that mean eating? Like, so that is kind of my constant uh, hypothesis. I'm just testing constantly. You know, do I have more energy? Do I have less energy? So I'd be interested to know from what you, like in your change, have you noticed a change in energy on the positive? 100%, particularly around sleep, uh, because I just feel so much more exhausted when I go through that calorie burn, like I feel like I burn off so much energy. Um, and I've, I've never particularly enjoyed long cardiovascular activities. So I have difficulty being like, Oh, I'm going to go run six miles. Uh, my knees will hurt. I'll just have a horrible time. I'd much rather go into the gym and do something else. Um, the only thing I have, I have really taken a, um, interest in is, is rowing. I, really enjoy pushing myself on the rowing machine. I think that's just such a great workout. I've even got to the point where I've been like, you know, if they did shut down the gyms again, I would probably buy a rowing machine. 
So that's really interesting. You brought that up because I was just reading about that today. I was and that's such a good, that's one of the top workouts for your body is rowing because it's really good for your lungs, your lung capacity, increasing your lung capacity. It helps because it pushes your heart rate very aggressively. So you're working at a, you know, in terms of that high intensity interval training, you can really amp it up. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, and I, I've been trying to find what is the optimal workout. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out what are days when I can really go. And so it's interesting to hear that you've got more energy kind of putting on more weight. And do you think that's more equated to your, like your, like just working out consistently or what, what do you equate that to? Cause it's like, I know we, we've talked a lot about food, but mm. I think the combination of food and working out is like, there's no perfect strategy. It's all different for everybody, yep. but it's like, what is the right thing? You know, your body type is so different than my body type, which is different than our other brother, other brother's body type. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I know that I don't want to get like a whole lot bigger than I am because I don't want to be 205, 210 pounds on a set of skis coming down the mountain. That would be so aggressive. You couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be so much more weight to carry as you're like trying to do anything. Like, okay, now let's go up 400 feet. Uh, yeah, oh, shit. I could be terrible. Be horrible. So um, I think now a lot of it is going to be getting back to um, balance because the thing that I've noticed the most is the weight impact on my knees because what happens is if you work out and lift a lot of weight and you are using bad form and you're having bad habits um, you can further exacerbate your body's like natural tendencies to be in unaligned and i started to notice that in myself mm. so i changed up my whole workout regiment to like really emphasize you know i i really don't do any more maxing out ever like yep. okay there's no reason to very rarely lift super high weight anymore i do a lot of reps and then i've tried to um i basically there's this one guy at the gym who does the most weenie exercises in the whole world like you got guys doing the bench and the curls getting big and this guy's about five five but he's built like a brick shit house and he's always doing like reverse leg lifts or like laying on his side and lifting his leg to get the inner adductor. And he's always doing these like mobility core strengthening things. And I'm oh. like, I bet that dude is never in pain. And I bet he has excellent alignment. I bet his joints are great. And you see all these other people in there just like killing themselves. And I'm like, this is not long-term sustainable there's a reason oh. you don't see old men lifting weights yeah you know? yeah totally they're they're doing their little walker thing or they're golfing or they're you know they're just doing activities that aren't you know doing clean and snatch all the time you know but that's what so what workouts does he do like what are you seeing i'm uh, uh he will do tons of kettlebell squats kettlebell lifts um, he does tons of, um, like lifting from, he does tons of backline workouts basically. So, okay. um, 
like, a, you know, you would be in a all fours position and you would kick your leg up behind you yep. right, to activate your back line and your glutes and your hams. And then he'll put like a 15 pound weight in his knee and then do that. And then he'll like lay on his back and do bridges. And he does all of these things to develop the back line. And um, I think that is just the absolute Achilles heel of the, in, of the computer desk job world is like very weak back line because everybody dumps into their core. So your abs are holding your weight all day and you're, back line is overstretched so but it's also weak because you don't ever use it so it's in a constant state of elongated contraction meaning like overstretched and contracted because it's trying to prevent you from falling forward and i think that's where like 90 percent of spinal issues are from it's just like your hips being out of alignment dumping into the front line of your body and this guy is in here always doing these like really and they're just weenie things like 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 what my mom used to do in the 90s to the videos at home like get on your all hands and knees and lift your leg up 15 times and it's like oh up 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 you know what i mean like (laughs) i can picture the exact i mean all fours raising the leg up you know doing the little things where you just kind of are like oh that's that that's the, what are you doing there? But it's excruciatingly painful if you're doing it really correctly. And it's very helpful to a muscle group. And so I'm seeing this and being like, I'm, I'm kind of in the process of morphing my like, you know, 250 pound deadlift day blah, to like trying to do more functional things. Um, and so for me, it's, it's a lot about getting that back line of the body activated and then general ski readiness, which is balance and quads and, you know, or, yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, I, so after I got, so college played football and did track. So I was a ball of tight. You know, I was just, I was fat off one entire fast twitch muscle. And I went to see a trainer after, and she was like, you know, your body is not in, not in a good place. So a lot of my workout and I still have the workout sheet. It was all groundwork. So, you know, like almost like rolling around, but trying to get your body to balance. And so right now, you know, hearing you talk about backline workouts is good because my back has been killing me or at least I've been sitting so much. So I'm like constantly trying to sit up, you know, being in a meeting and trying to like, you know, make my back, you know, have a string pulled from the top of my head to straighten out. Yep. Posture has never been my strong suit. So, you know, I've got actually one of those back braces to try to wear during the day too. Oh, a backline workouts. I, I, you're speaking right to me now. So I, pre- that's good to hear. This is a you new know, for me. I just thought of the, uh, the best. So we have an investment kind of, group of guys who get together and talk about stocks we like. And I'm going to share one with you guys just because we're talking about this. Orthopedics. Come come elective procedures, all of the people who have had bad habits and have spent the last 18 months in one place, or all of the people who haven't been exercising at all and not going to gyms, we are going to see the amount of knees, hips, and spinal surgeries that we have never seen before in the next two years. <laughs> There's going to be, you know, and it's probably, you know, when you look at like an injury, so like a massive rotator cuff tear needs surgery. A lot of this stuff, 
you know, bad posture will end up like back and neck. So if you're even thinking like, okay, break down what injuries are different. It's probably not going to be a lot of knees. It's going to be more of like, it's going to be back and neck. Yeah, definitely. Definitely structural problems. So any investors out there thinking about it, we're, I'm actually talking to, I I know some, some people that are already down that path because that's a, it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good uh, industry to focus on because I think posture and sitting in chairs, it's going to catch up with us. We, our bodies weren't built for it. No. And that's the reason that every depiction of an alien is a little green person with a tiny fat or with a short okay. fat torso with tiny arms and a big head. Massive <laughs> like, head. Yeah. They're always you, and super big eyes, limited noses, because we haven't figured out how to do smell through the internet. So our noses are just like, we don't need that anymore. You know? Yep. So I don't know. I, I think I always think that's kind of funny. Well, so I read a really good book called Breathe. And, you know, I, the big theme of breathe was no, you're supposed to breathe out of your nose and what yep. they claim. And in this book, and you know, it's t- kind of take it with a grain of salt and you always got to research because all these books always make these kind of ridiculous claims based on studies, but he thinks a lot of weight gain is based on mouth breathing and you're sucking in too much air all of the time and you're eating. And so like, he thinks there's a combination of breathing through your mouth that has to do with weight gain and your nose is built for breathing, you know? Mm. So that's where all of your nostrils are, you know, there's all the pores and they, you know, that's where a lot of the filtration systems are in your body, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, there's a lot of Olympians that have been breathing in and out of their nose and they actually have a, you have a longer, um, you can perform better longer because you're not, having such a dramatic change in your breathing structure. So it's better for your muscles. Um, and if you work out just breathing in out of your nose, which I've been doing and you run in and out of your nose, it's hard at first, but once you get used to it, you can actually go farther. And this is, oh, yeah. you know, personal experience, but also, you know, check it for yourself. I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it home and, you know, call it science right now. So, but it's an yeah. interesting book that talks about how we relate to our breath and you know certain factors and you know when you think about orthopedics and uh, you know we're talking about posture it's like this is kind of all coming around full to and, and that's just something that really caught my eye was it was breath and how you use the breath and people that stand up taller are breathing more out of their their stomach you know their their low part of their stomach rather than their chest yep is contributes to anxiety which when we're talking about everybody's stressed out because of covid that could be a factor everybody's sitting in chairs so generally when you have bad posture you close your like i'm just closing my stomach when i'm hunching my shoulders over so you'd naturally not really breathe out you'd breathe more out of your chest Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i heard a product idea in there which is uh breathe right strips that make you lose weight (laughs) guaranteed to cost clip 10 pounds off you yeah all you have to do is breathe through your nose (laughs) well you know funny thing is i actually bought pieces of tape to put over my nose my mouth when i sleep so they say like a lot of get lost during sleep it's a big part of it so you know 
the big joke in the Netflix Stranger Things was mouth breather, which I think yep. is one of the funniest things to call somebody like, oh, be quiet, you mouth breather. But yeah. uh, like it, it actually has some validity to it. Mm-hmm. So a yeah. suboptimal being. Yeah, you're you're not efficiently using your mouth or your your breath your breath. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's and, yeah. In other news, um, COVID dating. Um, I feel like uh, there has been. Uh, well, let me just give a little context here. So, um, I don't want to sound self-absorbed, but this is going to sound self-absorbed because um, I recently got married. Um, recently found out there's a baby on the way, which is great. Hey. Yep. Uh, so rumpus room notification, right? Rumpus room notification. You guys, you heard it here first. Yep. Grandma knows, but nobody else other than the media family, of course, and a couple other people, but this, I care about you guys a lot. So, uh, I wanted you to know, cause I know you'd be happy. And, um, so uh, there, there are several younger cousins of mine that, um, are pretty close we'll say within four or five years of me who I I feel like I've had a pretty big impact on their life and I feel like when I started making some of these bigger moves um, the reality of being single and being a man like started to set in because all of a sudden you see like really quickly a bunch of people pairing off if you look down the line of like the young guys scarcity (laughs) Well, and I think some of it was like, oh, gosh, you know, Adam's realizing that, you know, you can't be single forever. Like what are you? I mean, you can, but within the context of our family, usually people are getting married and stuff. And that's what I wanted. And I don't know. I feel like in some regards, I was pushing the envelope in terms of being, you know, the party still going on. And uh, um, in some regards, I think the, the folks around me are realizing the party is coming to a slow well, uh, you know, I think you and me both too, like we're on a time frame, and I think you settling down also impacted me. Well, and, and, but you having those intentions quite a bit earlier on, obviously was a big impact on me as well. So um, I think it's kind of interesting that you're seeing how quickly those other guys fell in line. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like once and what, you know, we were, and I think another part of it was, basically everybody in our family besides you and me is, you know, pretty locked down or. Yeah. We were basically the oldest left. Yep. The oldest left on both sides of the family. Yep. So, you know, when you're an older cousin or, you know, an older, older, um, yeah. Or relative, you know, people kind of see what you're up to. Um, and we were kind of, you know, a lot of our cousins got, got, pretty hot and heavy right away on one. Yeah. Side. We were late to the game. And so we were just kind of like, Oh, we're not doing that. We're different. You know, uh, what, uh, you know, whatever we wanted to say, but you know, now that we're not, it's kind of like, Oh, there's less, less of that for them to kind of see. So I do think you're right about timing. That does change things. Well, and I, I misspoke because what I did incorrectly was I, I appropriate, I, I appropriated the weight of the buck to me, as opposed to me passing that very heavy buck and realizing how everybody else falls under the weight as well. (laughs) Because it's it's definitely not me, but I was, 
you and I were the last ones holding the buck. For a certain age group, for sure. For a certain age group. And then yeah, right. when that was gone, it's like, hey, buddy, that buffer is gone. It's on your shoulders now. Yeah, like, yeah we're, we're the ones that are getting all the questions of like, where's Yeah, we get the flak. Uh, so we've, we've officially taken off our flak jackets and handed them down the line. Yep. People are realizing those, uh, those uh, the pressure is real, shall we say. Yeah, well, that's, you know, we would show up to weddings and get the same questions and you know, that's as a, as a family, you just, you know, cause we have larger families that are very, you know, we're very involved with each other and we have great relationships. So we're very, very, very lucky. Um, so you, they, they've grew, we've grown up with them. So they naturally ask you questions that are, you know, more honest. So they are just kind of constantly letting you know what they thought about it. So yeah, it does. The buck did get passed to the next, uh, next group. There's, and there's not a lot left now that we've, uh, you know, there's a, a, a smaller group of guys and gals. There is. And uh, um, one thing is the pressure grows with each time the buck is passed, which I wish there was a way to avoid it, but there's really not, mm-hmm. you know, just sheer. It's kind of mathematics in terms of you're looking at yourself as a ratio and you, you happen to be on the smaller side of the ratio and then, you know, it gets smaller still, if you're still there. So obviously it's going to seem larger. Um, But, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's a a metaphor that takes some of the familial guilt out of it. I don't know if it does, but (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) I don't think Uh, it'll stop people from giving their opinions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But um, not me, unfortunately. No, no, I I would like to think that I am able to not put my foot in my mouth, but I seem to continue to impress the ability to do that continuously. So um, but my uh, some of the some of the younger guys who are in the dating scene have been expressing some interesting ideas about how COVID has changed the dating game. And I think the one you brought up earlier in our conversations was the best about how the stigma has been really removed. Yep. So what I was, you know, the stigma has been removed from online dating. Cause I think, you know, when I was coming out of college, you know, Tinder, I think was the first one because they had like eHarmony, which is like, Oh, that's the creepy old guy on TV. You know, only people that are really hurt and jump on that. You know, that was kind of the sense is like sometimes people, you, there's a little bit of a stigma to online dating where it was like, oh, you really want a relationship. You might be a little too, you know, it's just a little bit of a negativity bias towards that. Oh, right? I mean, it was, it was palpable. There's, yeah. there's no way to say little, I mean, especially in the early days, you know, I mean, well, like the, oh, you met online. Oh, like, it, it's yeah. like, you know, like, like a, oh, you're half a person because you yeah, couldn't like, meet somebody in person. It's like, couldn't well, quite do it in person, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty ridiculous. I mean, looking back at it, but it was very real. And then when you start to think about like the, the dating apps of our generation emerged primarily as a hookup tool. So then you have the stigma of being like, oh, we met online on a tool that you're supposed to use to get sex easily. Yeah. Like that. What does that say about you? And which, I understand the hesitancy to want to bring that up because even if you're a really good person, I mean, you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to go where the, you know, where the, where the 
where the, the pond you know, is. The fish you are. Go to where the fish are. Yeah, yeah. you fish where the fish are. You don't fish where the fish aren't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna be too proud to throw your line in the water, even if you're no. a good guy. You're still gonna toss that line in the in there. You know, you may yeah, have like I may get a couple of rock bass. You yeah. never know. But I know there's a stream right here that's plowing into the river. Yeah, or there's a stream that's plowing into the lake, and all of the fish are eating because there's a lot of food. So we're gonna fish here no matter what. But would you rather would you rather go through some carp, through some rock bass, through some northern pike, every once in a while come across a nice a nice walleye, a nice lake trout, you know? Um, so I but or are you now, gonna go around on your boat for hours on end with one fish in the wire? You know, going multiple different areas. You're going to be on your boat with your thumb up your ass because you're such a good guy. Yes. Too good for you. You know, uh, I'm only a deep water fisherman. I I can't meet anybody. I've changed my lure. You know, (laughs) I've done everything. I tried to change my jig. I went to a different color. You know, I've tried it all. Doesn't work. I'm fishing deep. I'm fishing deep. I'm not catching anything, but at least I have my principles. Yep. I'm a deep fisherman, so you can get out of here. That's totally what it is. It is. Yeah. And if you can just, and I I commend a lot of the people that were able to get over that themselves. And I, under that stigma that it has totally been not eroded, but definitely not, not vanished, but definitely eroded because of COVID. Yeah. So now, now everybody's totally fine with, I mean, there's really no other option to meet. There's somebody. no other option. What are you going to do? So even like, if you meet somebody in person, you, you can't even see them. So what are you going to do? Hey, could you, could you just take that mask down for a second and see if I'm really yeah. into you? Yeah, I want to see, <laughs> I want to see if you have straight teeth. You don't even yeah. tell yeah. how many teeth they have, which. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, the advice I used to give guys unsolicited, of course, cause I'm king of unsolicited advice hence the podcast, um, is go to Target Corporation, go to a Target store at nine o'clock on a Friday or a Saturday night. Guaranteed to be a lot of good looking women there that don't have boyfriends because if they had boyfriends, they probably wouldn't be shopping at Target at nine or 10. If they have husbands, sure, all bets are off. But then you look for the ring and you move on your your merry way. So- Um, I used to chuckle because if you go to Target at 9, 9.30 on a Friday or a Saturday, there are going to be a lot of good-looking single girls around. Probably. Or there are going to be a lot of good-looking women around. I'll just say that. I don't know what, what their status is. I used to always say that. But um, nowadays, you got the mask on. So, hey, what's wrong with going online? You know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think one of our relatives had, exp- you know, they uh, – they were worried about seeing each other because this was early on in COVID and one of them offered to take a COVID test, which wow, isn't that the most ridiculous thing? Um, I'll take a COVID test for you. That's that, commitment. My, that's, that's complete commitment. Not surprising. It was the girl that said that, but. Well, yeah. if hopefully that guy is a stud, you know, worth a COVID but test at least. He is. Yeah. He's a stud. Yeah. So I, I think. Um, well, and, and in his case, he was, he was, quarantining like full on heavy and very concerned about the virus. He was as uh, quarantined as 
what he was. Yeah. I mean, he was in a cabin in Northern Wisconsin and, uh, and didn't see anybody for like three and a half months. So, I mean, he was pretty certain he didn't have it. And I think she was living in the city doing a bit more, uh, gallivanting, shall we say. So. Yeah. So I think it's removed the stigma, this online dating. So now everybody's online, everybody's fishing in the same pond again. So it's, uh, right now is a good time to do online dating and it's a great time. It's just such a different thing on how to date. And you were talking about doing video dates, you know, what's a video date like, that's gotta be just the weirdest thing. I, you know, it's enough to do a meeting like that, but just imagine doing small talk for an entire, you know, entire time. Oh man. I mean, I used to really advocate against the coffee shop date because your first date, you both get a cup of coffee, you're caffeinated, you're sitting across from each other. And then the interview starts and you're like, firing questions back and forth. And it's like, Oh, I'll call you on Monday after I review with my colleagues, whether or not you got the job. It's never about like, do we have a natural connection? It's always so um, like, I, I always thought it was very hard to get a real feel for who the person was in that setting, just because of like, I usually work in a coffee shop and I'm usually like focused on tasks and like relationship is not about like, Oh, it's, it's a box checking exercise. You're like, Oh, do you check the boxes in all these areas? It's like, that's not a good way to start a relationship. So I was advocating. What was your strategy on first few dates? You know, coffee shops, I'd have to take a dump about (laughs) hour into it. So if it was going well, I'd have an issue. So that, that never, I never did that. But you know, again, we weren't dating during COVID and, you know, bars aren't even open now, so you can't even, you know, do that. I never was a big bar first person either, because that's just the, st- like, that's the lazy way to go is, oh, we're going to meet at a bar. Yeah, and that it's just, you know, there's no intimacy. You can't actually talk. You're just there to, I don't know. I, I never felt like that was a great place either from a, from a date perspective. I always went the walk, you know, let's meet for a walk. That's a good one. I like that one. It's simple. I, I was big on the activities you know, active, like we, uh, an art center, I took, uh, my wife on our first date was to a, a, uh, art show, which was a student art show, which was absolutely hilarious. Cause it was, you know, everything was about Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram, which was quite, quite entertaining, but you know, it's like, I wanted to be walking around and I'm, a, I like movement better. It's hard to do dinner because, you know, it's like, do you order the salad? you know, but I don't want to be chomping on a salad. You know, you just worry like that whole deciding about food is tough because like nope. you order food and then you're there eating your food. There's no out. No. Nope. So, you know, during the virus, it's just a lot harder to do the first dates. I'm, I'm always a proponent of activities though. That's always my thing. Well, and what I, I'm curious about the, cause I, the, I would have, I would really struggle to not turn the zoom date into a um into a uh interview because what because it's very hard to get a flow going so basically all you're going to be doing is like asking questions back and forth against one another here's a thought um play a game schedule a zoom date get out your uno deck get out your card deck get out some sort of game if you play crimes against humanity i don't care whatever it is because what that would do is add some structure but still allow you to kind of like interact in a way that isn't like 
an interview, you know? Well, that's it. We were joking about the, just socializing with friends. It's easier to have like a game date, like a, something to do, you know, like that's, you know, even when you're socializing with your friends, so like a date, that's really important. Cause it's like, talk about needing some type of guidance, whether it's a game or something, that's a really good idea. Does uh, the, the great thing about the COVID zoom era would be you could take speed dating to the max. Oh yeah. You talk know, you about could, meeting a lot of people. Yep. You and, could line them up if you, you know, are good at your pickup line game, which is an entire art in it of itself. And I am so astonished at the, I'll call it elegance, but it's really not, it's, it's, it's not elegant, but it's elegant in its, in its expression, which is you've matched with somebody in a dating app. If she's a really good looking woman, she's probably got a hundred other guys. How do you get her attention in a message? That's hard. Yeah, that's why you pay the extra nine ninety nine per month. Oh, is that really? Does that give you like preferred matches? <laughs> what they what they sell to you? Well, I've I've heard this is that you're going to be on top of the food chain. You're going wow. to or which of course that's what you'd want to sell. I mean, it's like and you know then they always write those blog posts of like what gets the most responses. Oh my goodness! You know, yeah. so. And uh, I just real world wise, cheesy lines never work. You know, nope. that's something, you know, I was talking to uh, somebody who's been in the dating circuit has said, uh, you know, they've watched some of those kind of uh, the social dynamics videos where there's, it's those kind of guys. And Adam, you and I watched a couple of those videos when we were single, just like, how do you pick Like, how do you, Oh yeah, girls? sure. Yep. Um, but what we you know, we kind of came, he came away with the same thing and was like, you know, it's just like, why don't you just go say hi to somebody instead of like trying to doctor this formula for like a perfect interaction? Um, you know, just the simpler, the better was kind of what we were talking about is, uh, you know, and some people don't have the confidence. So it's like, how do you develop confidence in somebody so they can tell you know, like, that's difficult. It's but, really hard. And I guess you can pay to play in uh, the new dating apps, which I guess would give you a better chance. Give you, I, I don't know what you call that um, because I find it odd to be selling the chance at a conversation with somebody. It feels almost like prostitutional, but it's not. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yep. If it, it feels weird I don't, I don't i don't know how to describe the i i guess it would be like you're brokering a relationship really so what you would be doing i guess it's like paying for a matchmaker though yeah it's just paying for a you know a matchmaker one of the really annoying online matchmakers interesting so tinder has become an on a paid online matchmaker interesting well some algorithm they created yeah well, if you swipe right in the vicinity of, uh, you know, people, but that game in terms of getting somebody's attention was something I never really understood at. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I'm, and I'm sure people are really good at it, but um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that I missed that way. I'm sure I would have figured it out if I 
was forced oh, yeah. to do it. But uh, Dude, if you're sitting at home on a Saturday afternoon with not a lot to do, you're definitely going to go Google, <laughs> Google that for sure. But I just, yeah. we were, we were fortunate that we didn't have to. I mean, you, there's another problem with that. You have to go talk to girls. So, you know, there's just positives and negatives. I do think your point about you're probably getting a lot more at bats. You're talking to, as I think the biggest thing is it sounds like texting, you know, like chatting is the first line of defense. So that's kind of where a lot of the first interaction goes. You know, people aren't like, Hey, do you want to meet? They'll kind of do the chatting thing for a while. Yep. They'll ask a couple questions. You know, do this little thing. And then they start to escalate it from there. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely a formula. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, there isn't stigma around online dating. Cause I don't think it is necessarily anything to be ashamed of at all. It's just a component of life. And it's just one of those new things that people are like, uh, you know, it, it just takes a while to become widespread, but it's going, it's, it won't be long um, until when you hear of a couple that met and they'll be like, oh yeah, we were in the same fourth grade class. And then, you know, we were t- talking in high school and we married in high school. They'll be like, what, you didn't meet online. I mean, the pendulum is just going to switch back to favor, you know, yep. as it does all the time. Yep. It is. That's how, that's how, uh, that's the yin and yang of everything. I was back and forth. So, yeah, I think one of the like last topics we can kind of get through this quickly. I don't know how quickly, but it's talk, you know, right now, uh, dating this, it's, it's, uh, the last couple of weeks before our election and a, a big topic of, you know, elections is financing and money and who's the best and, you know, what president causes everybody to make money and what, we were talking about, we were looking at some graphs. I was looking at some graphs earlier today and talking with some other folks about this is it actually isn't driven by who's president. It's driven by what big new companies. So like right now, Amazon is driving a lot of market growth. Google, like in the Bill Clinton years, Google came about, Facebook was there. So it's like these companies are more of the driver for the financial system, you know, cause they're creating a lot of value. So then there's more than the actual tax policy. Yeah. It's like, okay. So the tax policy or the like, economic policy overall, Yeah, they're taking all of the credit for it, which is like, yeah. Okay. Cutting taxes is great. You know, and I think it allows for it or, you know, maybe more, like, you know, there's the argument of more taxes, which, you know, that then we can create jobs by taking more money and making more jobs. You know, it's like from an economic standpoint, there's a lot of people that poke holes in that argument, but I think, when you look at market growth and opportunity, it's like what big company came in and made a massive improvement into the market dynamics. And you think of Amazon, how the market's gone nuts, but look at how successful Amazon and like Tesla are getting. They're really starting to change the dynamics. So it's like, you know, I know we're talking a lot about the presidents doing this, but it, you know, it's like really what's driving that. I, I don't think it like tax policy is important, but is that really the driver? You know, a company like Amazon, who's created just trillions of dollars of value, pretty good bet to make an impact on the market other than tax policy changing, which somebody's probably going to poke holes in that argument. You know, we could be completely wrong, but. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. Or, you know, you could call it a technological boom, like the dot-com boom as something that ushered in um, tons of growth during the Clinton administration. 
And then, um, you know, like probably the something like Amazon, you know, online purchasing, online shopping, the ability to get anything that you want from your home as enabled by the internet, massive supply chains. That's like a new cultural wave that's, that's leading a lot of growth. Um, yep. And I, I thought it was interesting is your, your investor friend said that uh, renewable energy is likely to be that next thing to ride the wave of. Yep. They called it the next, tr- the first world's first trillionaire is going to come from renewable energy. So that's an interesting concept. Yeah, I can certainly see that um, because what you've basically got with Amazon is consumption on the web. You know, that's been done. That's that's in the process of being completed. Yep. Uh, so that's something that drives, you know, the United States economy is consumption. And the next thing is in that next largest sector, well, energy is the largest sector of the, the economy. So it, it would seem likely that renewables would be that thing. Yeah. And if you just look at GDP, you know, what are we spending things on? That's a pretty good bet. And he said, he did say that the next energy is one, the next largest is definitely healthcare. So he said, digitizing healthcare and new healthcare models, which that is an old story that's not even anywhere new. But I think the new thing is renewable energy, I thought was interesting. Well, I think what you get with renewable energy is less regulation. So you're going to see markets take off much faster than you would in, say, um, healthcare or education. You know, people have been talking about education reform, and that's just piddled along for decades. You know, there hasn't been something super substantive, I feel like. Uh, and, and I mean, healthcare is the same way. We're just, it's just the other side of the same coin all of the time. It's never actually anything material. So um, I can see energy. And then, and then my, my, my preference or my estimate would be that it would be healthcare and education that would hopefully follow suit um, yeah. despite the regulation. Yep. I would agree. I really would agree. Yeah. I think yeah. I think charter schools are the start of the hand slowly letting go, you know, of, of the tight grip on the system. Um, and then I think cash pay medicine is going to be something that really does that for. Um, there are cash paying medicine clinic, you know, there's one in Oklahoma that's super successful. So that model's out there and it's working. People are doing it. Yeah. It'll be how long can the, old guard keep people entrenched in the existing model before they see that they can save way way more money in direct to consumer cash pay yeah it is it really is and you know i think you know there's some it would be great if you can do some hsa things differently and change the insurance model where you know if if we could just get more of a consumer driven system that way and people can i don't know there's just a lot of opportunity healthcare space. And I think, you know, that's a space we live and breathe. So we're very interested in it. Well, you heard of these um, all cash pay insurance networks. Mm-mm. So there was a, listen to a podcast by this guy who was promoting these. Um, it was actually faith-based um, insurance plans where they would sign up communities and do all cash pay. So they'd go direct to the health systems and they would pay out of pocket based on one pool of money for 
everybody that's pooling it in. So if you get cancer, you're still going to get treatment. You're still going to get paid, but that money is going to come from a lot of other people's pockets. But the goal is, you know, we pool everybody's resources and we, we agree that we're going to try and live healthy and, you know, do our best. We'll still pay for things if they happen, but um, there's no insurer. So you're not actually paying somebody to take the risk. You're just paying for your overall medical procedures as experienced by the group. And then they negotiate their own rates. Well, that's, I mean, employers are trying to do that themselves. So they're forming their own kind of risk pools, but that's interesting as a community doing that. Yep. It was somewhere in the South. I can't remember what it was, but it's, uh, it's coming up. Yeah. It's like a purchasing. There's these, these purchasing organizations that, uh, that, that uh, companies will band together and basically say like, we're going to manage our own risk pool. We don't need any help. And you can buy, you can buy an insurance product on that too, you know, for any, you know, any cancer charge that, you know, is over a million bucks or something like, you know, it just really throws off the risk can de-risk it. So there is some insurance, but it's, it's, I think we're going to see a big change in the next 10 years that way. And uh, one of the things that we're noticing is a lot of hospitals are closing. You know, they're starting to really close up. Oh, yeah. This is going to weed out a lot of people who are bumping along. Yep. You know, and again, it's always a market efficiency. Who can be efficient with their resources the most? And they will, in the long run, win. There's going to be ups and downs. But I do think some of these places that are, are, uh, you know, sucking a lot of cash out of the system, they it will catch up with them eventually. I mean, this is like a long-standing thing. This isn't like it's going to happen tomorrow, but we're starting to see some people that are starting to drop off. Yep. Totally. So. Well, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week and we'll be back kicking it here in the rumpus room. Mm-hmm.